Welcome to A Voice from the Hills. I'm James Warner, co-founder of Silicon Hills Wealth Management here in Austin, Texas. We've hit the midway point of a very challenging year, and it's you know all too easy sometimes to focus on the challenges and the hurdles that we face. You know, we can even find ourselves diminishing or even disregarding the good works and the positive steps that are happening all around us. But one of the greatest personal benefits I get from doing a Voice from the Hills podcast is that sense of hope and positivity that I take away from each interview. And our recent guests are no exception. They include behavioral finance experts, game changers who have overcome the odds to succeed on the highest level, and pioneers who've continuously bet on themselves and newly emerging industries. You know, at its core, A Voice from the Hills is about spotlighting these exceptional people and helping them mentor our audience through a conversational stream of hope. You know, we're constantly making most, if not all, of our important decisions through a complex behavioral lens. It's just a continuous challenge in even the most normal of circumstances to marry our logic with our behavioral background. But when faced with more challenging and precarious circumstances, times where decisions are difficult and confidence is waning, you know, times where collaboration and understanding are truly valuable, but agreement and patience are really difficult to come by. Those are the times that we must truly understand what's important. What can we control? And we have to be able to harness and draw upon that experience and those emotions to hopefully defeat bad, bad decisions in fear with hope. In episode 13, Brian Portnoy described both the concept of funded contentment and the idea of underwriting a life of satisfaction and significance, both on a financial and personal level. I think you'll really enjoy that episode with Brian if you didn't listen to it. In episode 16, Dr. Daniel Crosby reminds us that small things really matter. You know, even the smallest behavioral controls via environment are just essentially having a trusted advisor or a mentor to, as Dr. Dan uh, puts it, call you on your nonsense can really pay big dividends down the road. And then there's Denise. Denise Scholl has worked with some of the best and brightest on Wall Street, gold medal winners. If you've lost your mojo, Denise can help you reclaim it. Here's a snippet from our conversation with Denise in episode 19, in case you missed it. So I always say my clients come from, in the, excuse me, they come from two veins, either some problem like behavior performance problem they can't solve. You know, I always do this thing. Or like just being a high performer, I just want to get better. Sometimes the I just want to get better is the executive team of wherever they work has decided they're going to have a coach and they interview executive coaches and they're not crazy about it. And then somehow they find me and call me. Um, With Investment managers, whether that, I mean, I have hedge funds, I have long only, I have commodities traders. Um, There's this, I think of it as layered. Like what's their intuition? What's their sense of the right thing to do in markets? Which is coming from their experience and accumulated expertise. But they don't know how to trust it, right? Like, and they don't know. So I will just say, like, what do you really think? I, ask the, I tell them to ask themselves, what do I, emphasis on I, really think? The point of that is to like remove the judgment. You don't want it to be, what does someone else think? 
or what does someone else, what will someone else think about what I think? You just want to like be honest. With, what do I really think? Because people like actually don't answer that question. So anyway, that gives them kind of a sense of what they actually think, right? And then I ask them how much they believe it, which is a measure of their conviction. And then it, it kind of derives into a predictive element too, right? It's not only what do I think right now, but what do I predict that I will feel based on this decision? You did your homework. Yes. Um, so the cutting edge of brain science is showing that number one, we're all, everything we do, everything we perceive is a prediction. Like you're listening to me, people will be listening to me, don't realize it, but you're predicting the next word that's going to come out of my mouth based on your knowledge of the English language, primarily, a little bit of the knowledge of the subject matter. Even, so the whole idea, all the things that we learn, like in Psych 101, stimulus response, it's turning out it might not even be true. That you learn as you're growing up, like, you know, you touch the hot stove, you know, like that you learn all these things, like what will happen if you touch the hot stove. And as an adult, your perception is an expectation, not actually like objective reality. But even more importantly, it's an expectation of a feeling. And it's that expectation of a feeling that causes you to choose. That's what drives your behavior. You don't know it because it's unconscious or at best semi-conscious until you start thinking about it. If you are truly into the behavioral finance space, you'll want to check out these episodes as well as an earlier episode that we did with John Narcessian. John is head of advisor education for PIMCO. If you're a reader by nature, Brian's Geometry of Wealth and Dr. Dan's Behavioral Investor should be on your shelf. And if you're a fan of Billions on Showtime, let's just say Denise played a role and we'll leave it at that. Next up are our trailblazers. They embrace new technologies and platforms, often leaving the comforts of the traditional and lucrative careers to chase the dream. They do so with a fearlessness and abandon that's only really exceeded by their belief in themselves and the eventual success and or adoption of their ideas and platforms. Caitlin Cook, our episode uh, 20 focus, left the comfortable confines of traditional asset management to to immerse herself in the world of cryptocurrency blockchain, NFTs, mining, staking, an industry with a wholly unfamiliar vocabulary where the market never closes, new ideas and tokens are created daily, and massive fluctuations in value are just another day at the office. It's a great episode for those intrigued by the concept of crypto, but not really sure where to begin. Emily Bender, the CEO of Wealth Voice, has simply become the queen of voice. She believes that the marketing engagement of tomorrow will migrate from the traditional direct marketing, email, and written content avenues to a combination of voice and video. Specifically, voice with the rise of voice assistance and the ability for communication through voice to hit on more than just a quantitative level. Voice lets you communicate qualities well beyond the actual message. And Emily opens up on the promise of voice and the challenges of blazing a new trail as an entrepreneur in this segment of episode 18. What's the best way for somebody to start creating voice content that emphasizes that product or service that they offer? What, what should they look at in terms of their overall marketing platform as it exists today when they make that decision to add voice to it? 
It depends how much time you want to put into it. So you can start a podcast. Podcasts are wonderful. There are over a million out there. It's very competitive because this has become more saturated since the leverage to produce a podcast has decreased because the ease has increased and the volume of content has also increased. You're going to get something out of it. But another option, if you wanted to do something short and easy without committing to that would be doing something like Wealth Voice. Or if you don't do Wealth Voice, you could do just little audio clips and make them into audiograms. It doesn't have to be a commitment to a podcast like this where you're interviewing people and editing it and posting it on a set cadence. There's still ways to share your voice faster. So Wealth Voice, for example, you know, you're on Wealth Voice, you can drop in a voice memo whenever you want and it goes out with notifications and then you can audiogram it and get more mileage out of that. And finally, we're joined by two truly special people that have succeeded well beyond any rational expectations. Shana Sissel was our episode 21 spotlight. Shana escaped from gang life by enrolling in a pageant that stoked her competitive fire. She found her way onto Wall Street through an unexpected undercover operation at a temp agency. That's a crazy story. And found herself on floor 64 of Tower 2 moments before the second plane hit the World Trade Center on September 11th. She survived it all. Her story is one of those narrow escapes, unexpected opportunities, but ultimately her story is really about how she utilized those opportunities to gain specialized knowledge in complex areas and arenas, and how she's learned to communicate those ideas and those difficult concepts to the masses. I'm sure you'll enjoy that episode with uh, with Shana, especially the part about the uh, the World Trade Center. It's just it's really eerie. And then there's Dr. David Roney. I'm not sure we've ever had a guest who I felt a greater kinship with. I mean, his story's just remarkable. I mean, if you look it up, you'll you'll struggle to believe it. Uh, but his journey towards success was hardly a straight line. It was filled with regret, uncertainty, question of purpose. But ultimately, Dr. Roney has persevered. He questions, he mentors, he challenges, he succeeds. And here's a segment from our episode 22 conversation with Dr. David Roney. Let's think about this, right? Teachers, uh, the average school day is roughly eight hours. We, they've already proven the concept that you can teach kids how to code by doing an hour a day of code in school, right? We know that, okay, right? The whole uh, coding, uh, our code initiative that they did across schools. So we know that concept works. The other thing is teachers spend more time with our kids than we do sometimes because, hey, guess what? Dad and mom gets home at 5, 6 p.m. The kids get home earlier than that, and they're at the after-school programs. And then you get some dinner, and then you're going to sleep, and then you're back at it again, right? But if you can educate teachers to learn how to be financially savvy, right? They can spend 15 minutes during their math class or during their English class where they're doing word problems and teach financial concepts, right? It doesn't have to be Johnny ate six apples and he had 12 in the bag to start with. It could be, hey, Johnny had... Something he wants to buy with six for six dollars, and he has twelve dollars. How much is he spending? Like learning, there's ways to reframe and reshape how we do things, right? What if every teacher in this country 
was a certified, right? Because a certified financial planner. They don't, they're not practicing or a certified financial educator. What if that was a thing? You know, I enter every podcast with the mindset that it isn't about me. But I found myself so lost in the stories and the journey that David uh, went on about that I couldn't help myself. You know, they say a good host can uncover the greatness in any guest. But after having David on the podcast, I'm pretty sure the reverse is also true. A fantastic guest can truly elevate the host. In this exchange, the host became the, the, host became the subject. And you got to learn a little bit more about me in the process. Living paycheck to paycheck means very, very different things to different people in different circumstances. And the, you know, the idea from my childhood, at least, was that there was never anything stable about money. Mm-hmm. Money wasn't a stable thing. Money was, the money was unstable. So it's like you said, you know, you would either hoard it or you would spend it, you know, just you know, kind of crazy. I remember one time we had uh, furniture on layaway and my, my grandmother had been going and paying $10 a, a week. I would always go down there with her and we'd pay $10 a week on the furniture. And it took us forever, of course, to actually pay off the layaway. And when we finally did, the guy who owned the furniture owned up to my grandmother and said, Hey, you know, I already sold the furniture, but the stuff you had on layaway is not here anymore. And so he starts, you know, you know, getting some different furniture and, you know, they had a really interesting relationship between the two of them. Um, but so finally he comes up with, uh, you know, with something that was agreeable with my grandmother. There's a lot of profanity going on, but at the end of the day, she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go to the bank and get the money and I'll come back and, you know, pay, make the final payment and pick up the furniture. Well, we're on the way out and we pick up my mom and my mom was kind of, she worked constantly. I mean, she probably worked 16, 18 hour days, a, a lot of days. Uh, and so she provided kind of all the financial, you know, engine that we had. Right. And so if she had an opinion on something, it was, it was taken pretty seriously, but my mom occasionally would just do something that was just, you know, kind of nutty in retrospect. And I remember she looked over at my grandmother and said, do you really like that furniture? And uh, she said, no, not, not really, not particularly. I like the furniture that I thought we were going to get, but, you know, they don't have that anymore. And she goes, well, why don't we all go to Six Flags? And so we took that money, and the next day, the, every, every member of our family went to Six Flags, and we had an awesome day. I mean, it was, you know, I'm, I was a little kid at the time, but I remember sitting in the back of the car, and even as like an eight- or nine-year-old kid, I realized, you know, this probably isn't a good financial decision, right? But I was, you know, wanting to go to Six Flags. And so, you know, the next day we did it. And and then I remember, you know, it was just a great time. And then we felt like we were on top of the world for a day or two. And then the depression hit a couple of days later, like, what did we do? You know, we just mm-hmm. we just spent all the furniture money on on Six Flags, right? Which is something that a family who's grown up in financial stability with, with, with money as being a stabling factor would never do, right? Even if the, the furniture was pulled out from under them, they'd just go get furniture at a different place. They wouldn't change 
they wouldn't just on a whim change how money is spent. It is yeah. spent, right? And and so I think that that's a huge thing, and I always kind of keep an eye out for that for people who are you know first generation wealth or uh, you know just to make sure that they understand that you know you can do some really nutty things when you don't have the idea that money is stable or that money is a stability factor. It's, it's, it's there today, gone tomorrow. And, you know, you know, maybe I'll get lucky, but I'll probably just not, you know, have any at the end of the day. And so I think that's one of the things that really makes financial literacy hard because we do things that don't necessarily make sense unless you know our background, unless you know, you know, how we were raised. So as we get set to move into the second half of 2022, I wanted to close the first half by saying thank you to Brian, Daniel, Denise, Emily, Caitlin, Shana, and David, and all the preceding guests on A Voice from the Hills. We couldn't do this show without you. As we turn toward our next segment, we're going to focus on founders. We're going to interview Aaron Klein, the founder of Riskalyze, a company that has transformed and simplified the concept of risk tolerance and management across our industry. And we're going to interview Adam Holt, CEO of Asset Map. Adam and his team have helped create a format to visualize our financial world and make decisions accordingly. We've also got some special guests who are helping to shape the founders of tomorrow and helping to establish communities where these future founders can get the mentorship, funding, and critical feedback needed to turn an idea into a successful business. I hope you'll check out the recent episodes that we've highlighted in our mid-year review. If you like what you hear, please check out our other podcasts, subscribe to our feed, rate us, and be ready for our upcoming episodes. We appreciate you spending your time with us. If you'd like to know more about Silicon Hills Wealth and what we do, please check us out at siliconhillswealth.com. And thank you for listening, sharing our content, and engaging with us. Because we can only do our best work when you are here to listen. Thank you.